because I gotta have faith. faith oh, faith, I was going to a Buffy place faith, with that. Faith, faith, faith. But in my head, that song is about Faith from Buffy, even though that song predates Faith from Buffy. Nothing predates Faith from Buffy. It is somehow now that's true and forever. Yeah, yeah. I love Faith. Isn't now and forever the ad for Cats? Like, wasn't that was like Cats the musical? Now and forever. Unfortunately. The Jellicle Cat song does go forever. <laughs> you cannot play God, then wash your hands of the things that you've created. Sooner or later, the day comes when you can't hide from the things that you've done anymore. Welcome back to another episode of Beers, Beats, and Battlestar Galactica, where we, your co-hosts, Kaylee and Lisa, take you through the sci-fi original series, Battlestar Galactica, episode by episode. And if you haven't listened to last week's episode, go back and do that. This is a two-parter. We decided to split it up because I'm going to be away. So we thought... And also it ends on quite a cliffhanger. It does. Aboard the Demetrius. So we're making you wait to... For you, ha- you have to wait an entire week. We had to wait about 10 minutes. Yeah, and I'm quite tired at this point, which is why Kaylee so graciously introduced us. It's mixing it up here. That's what happens. You never know. You never know what you're, you you're going to get. You never know who's going to be the first voice you hear. <laughs> so this, this week, this same day slash in a whole separate week, we're talking about season four, episode six, Faith. This episode was written by Kevin Fahey. This is his only episode of Battlestar Galactica, and I think it's a really good one. Yes. He He was a writer's assistant on the show who got uh, promoted. So good job, Kev. Well, Joss Joss was like, yeah, you can have your first try here. Joss? Oh, shit. Wow. We're talking about Faith. Wow. Ronald D. Moore was like, hey, friends, do you want to write an episode of television? He's like, that's what I always wanted to do. And then he did. And actually, uh, I think that him and David Weddle and Bradley Thompson all helped rewrite it. Oh, nice. So okay. it's not not to say that the crux wasn't there, but I think it did have some extra magic by yeah. its seasoned writers. I'm always interested in the TV writing process because there generally is one, occasionally two people who get the full credit for the episode but there's always a writer's room and if this guy was working as a writer's assistant like there's a whole subsection of writer's assistants presumably Mm. that we know nothing about so it's an interesting process yeah how a tv script comes into the world well these guys were actually um they were on the podcast with ron for this episode oh cool Mm. fun a little gang uh, and this one was directed by Michael Nankin, who we've also encountered many times before. Um, let's get into this. So when last we left our heroes, we were aboard the Demetrius with a mutiny. A mutiny? And it's only going to get more mutinous. mutinous. Um, the This was originally actually supposed to be in the first episode, but they decided to drag it out for drama. Uh, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You were you were hooked. We were hooked. I'm still hooked. I want to watch the next two episodes. Let's do this. You're going to do it. So uh, Starbucks like, okay, if everyone's doing mutiny, I'll jump the ship myself. And Athena gets her in a headlock. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and they're trying to arrest her. 
Celix is uh, coming out hot with some Cylon hating words. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. She thinks Starbucks is Cylon. Yeah, a lot of them do, mm. I think. Which is fair because she did explode and then return. I think it's a fair concern to have. Yeah, but do people think Jesus was a Cylon? I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember anything about Jesus being accused of being a Cylon in the Bible. And if Jesus isn't a Cylon, then Starbucks not a Cylon. That's logic, people. If Look A it up. equals B and B equals C, <laughs> it makes perfect sense. I studied logic and philosophy. <laughs> so uh, Sam loses his shit right here. Yeah, he really loses his shit a lot this episode. There's a lot of gun pointing at He's people. been the most chill of everybody. I mean, I feel like Hilo is still the most chill. If there's a most chill award, Hilo mm. gets it. But Sam has been pretty pretty cool considering all the crap that he's been through mm -hmm. and uh maybe it's just been building to mm -hmm. this point where he shoots gata in the leg it's a lot it's definitely a lot and it's bet like there's bone sticking out they did a good job with the it's grossness real, of like, the special shoot. effects mm. here yeah Ooh. and starbuck to her credit is like okay enough about the mutiny someone just got shot uh, and but to be fair, she's like, okay, all fucking hard feelings aside. Yeah, I'm no, I'm gonna Gata. fix your leg right now. And it is a kind of nice. It's kind of nice in a way because it shows that like they've all known each other for so much longer than Sam's been a part of them. That is true. And I feel like not everybody there, but like Hilo and Athena and like uh, and, and not Athena, but yes, Athena. Like Athena so sort of hasn't been there that long, but she sort of has because because she has Boomer's memories. Yeah, though. yeah. So it is. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, I think she does. Uh, now I'm confused. No. We might be wrong on that. Oh no! I but think, I think anyway, you're right. yeah, yeah. I think I think she does have Boomer's memories. But you've got like, yeah, you've got like Athena, you've got Hilo, you've got Gator. She is bo sorry. She has Boomer's memories. I think up to a point. The in the miniseries when they when they split. Yeah, yeah. She's got. However, like she, that happened. As far as like she. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trained in everything. All right, cool, cool. But cool. um, I think yeah, that doesn't actually make that. None of sense. it makes sense. Don't um, look at it too closely. Okay. But I think what's really nice is that they're all fighting with each other. But like at the end of the day, like this is a really hard thing for Hilo to do. And I think it's also a hard thing for Gator to do, but particularly Hilo. Hilo has been her her champion this whole time. I think not because he believes in her mission, but because he's so like we're in the military. This is what we do. We support each other. We don't question. Also, she saved him. And, she, and but Athena. he uh, honestly, though, he has questioned orders. He killed all those Cylons that time. I don't think it's about the military. I think that he feels dedicated to Starbuck. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's lovely. And so this is really hard for them. And it's really hard for like Starbuck to hear that from people she's worked alongside. But when it comes down to it, you know, Sam, it's obviously like, obviously going through some shit as well, but like just not as entrenched in that group as they are. It's like when you have like siblings or something and they're fighting and like, and then other people are like, Oh my God, they're such a dickhead. And you're like, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I love them. <laughs> when it comes down to it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like your boyfriend's picking on your little brother or something mm. like, no, only I'm allowed to do that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, she steps up here. She goes. She gets all up in that wound. She's like poking around in there, puts the blood stopper on it. Yeah, and gives, got a lot of things that they some morpha. Morpha. I love it. It's called morpha. It's it like, is pretty great. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Uh, and she immediately 
once it es- it has escalated to this point, she realizes she made a mistake and was like, no, I should never have put all of you at risk. Like, I'm going to take a raptor and I'm going to go by myself, except she's not going to go by herself because obviously Sam's going to go too and Leoben's going to go with her. And then she's like, hey, Athena, I need you for drama. Um, well, I think that it's legitimate. That no, she it, it does. It it totally makes sense. Mm. Um, and I think Athena is extra motivated to go help Starbuck after this Cylon Haiti comment from Celix. Mm. Yeah, and Helos. I like, still have Jellicle cats in my head. By the way, that's I'm, how that. I'm song sorry, works. Okay. I did that to you. It's okay. Continue. Helo <laughs> uh, is like, how? What's the last possible second we can jump back to the fleet? before they leave us behind and they set the clock and Hilo's going to wait. But I assume they set the clock for 10 minutes because they end up leaving after and presumably they find the fleet. I guess we don't know. But like, I, th- I understood that it was like he put it just before they had to jump. I mean, maybe, I don't, I don't we know. don't know the intricacies of it. But yeah, yeah, we never basically do. they're like, this is cutting it really, really close and we're going to set the clock here. So we'll see. They love a good clock setting. <laughs> Boy, don't they? What are we? What are we drinking? Oh. Time juggler. Time juggler. Is that what it is? Yeah, with the artichokes slash hops. Hey, let me have my moment. <laughs> I just want to think about <laughs> a little alarm clock juggling artichokes. Correct. Great. <laughs> so um, thirty-nine thousand six hundred and seventy-five survivors in space, which I think accounts for Matthias's death. Aww. I miss miss you. I hope you're happy wherever you are on the boat. Doing another show that maybe I'll go and watch with people. Yeah, we could. We're going to talk about the the boat. (laughs) All right. Um, we finally see Rosalind without her wig on. She's still hot. Yeah. Oh, totally. And especially, so they wanted to have. Okay, a there was a scene that was originally in this episode where there were a whole bunch of wigs that she was, like, trying on. And then Mary McDonald was like, I don't want to wear a wig. I want to wear, like, a, a towel wrapped around my head, which I think was a good choice because she looks amazing like that. Yeah, I think that was a really good choice. And it's, like, at a certain point, like, she's just going to be in, like, the hospital wing or whatever. Like, who's she trying to fool slash impress mm. while she's going through this treatment like just be comfortable because mm, sure. she makes a big point of like i'm gonna be in this place for days um she is brilliant in this episode and this scene is i think the the first time we see how much emotion she is actually choking back mm. where she's like she has a nice scene with about how tori is stepping up her role good work tori <laughs> well done Nothing what's possible i don't know what's wrong. gotten into you maybe a little bit of guys baltar <laughs> has gotten into you literally <laughs> sorry i didn't laugh i laughed on the inside <laughs> um but she's really like you can tell how much is affecting her that she i think that she feels like she's unable to perform her job to a hundred percent of her normal capability. I think that's what's really getting to her right here. And she asks Tori to like really step up even more and notice everything that's going on in the fleet and everything that comes across the desk. Lucky that she feels so much, feels everything now. Full of feeling. Full of feeling. Mm. And then we've got Starbucks mission to 
the Cylon base ship. And you know what? I think Barelay, who's suddenly very important within this group of people, is madly in love with our girl. Uh, I agree. And I'm so sad. When I saw Barelay like step up, I was like, yes, Matthias, she's going to take over that role. And then they fracking kill her too. I know. I was like, no, I loved her already. Also, because Barelay looks super, looks super gay. She looks so gay. (laughs) I hate to say that about everyone with short hair, but also every vibe she's giving off says, I'm in love with Starbuck and I'm going on this mission to secure my position as Starbuck's future girlfriend. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think it's fine to say she's super gay. Thank she you. totally is. Thanks. Um, she reminds me a little of my ex too, which is possibly part of it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, they're going to jump. And uh, meanwhile, Gaeta is like in a lot of pain and they won't give him any more of the Morpha because... He might OD on that. Um, he makes Hilo promise that he won't let Coddle take his leg because he knows like, hey, I just got shot in the leg. And now instead of jumping back to Galactica where I could get treatment, we're just going to sit here for 15 more hours. That's cool. Like, couldn't they jump and then jump back? Right? Jump around. Also, jump up, jump up, I don't understand why Starbuck can't jump to meet the fleet no. without the Demetrius. No. That I doesn't make sense to me. No, just give her the coordinates. Or maybe they didn't want to give her the coordinates in case it was a trap. That doesn't make sense. Doesn't it? Because if she has the coordinates to jump back to the fleet, then the um, Cylons can jump with her. I look. I'm trying to help him out here. I know. I just feel like you're giving the show too much credit hey, right now. I am. I think they just decided like drama. Everyone has to jump together, or no one jumps. <laughs> um, I don't know why. But you jump, I jump. Oh, it's beautiful, <laughs> beautiful reference. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. So Starbuck. Uh, once they jump, she like. She's really feeling it. She's like, she can hear it. And this is where she's supposed to be. And there's something that's just absolutely hilarious to me about the way Leoben talks about Starbuck when she's sitting right there to the rest of the fleet who don't care. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> only certain people can hear the music of the universe. And Starbuck is one of them. Like, <laughs> and and is this like, nar- what music? Narrating what this like it's a weird documentary when everyone's like, shut up, Leoben. <laughs> I found it very entertaining. And then she sees the base ship and she sees the planet with the rings. And I, there's probably a th- three stars or whatever was also there. Uh, and she's like, oh, it wasn't a comet. It was the base ship. This, this is exactly is ex- where I'm meant to be. Yeah. And they, they actually do a really beautiful transition from this scene into the painting the that yeah, she it's did. Really it's good. It's really well done and although to be fair like you would be pretty stoked like everyone's like you're fracking crazy this is ridiculous and she's like no i swear and then all of a sudden it's like exactly looks exactly like her painting oh my god yeah it must feel good and she does one of her classic like starbuck cackles um love love her i love her i'll always love her it's like when you say that someone's a person from a thing and people like no it's not that person you look it up and you realize it is and you're like yes yeah i was right it's exactly like when you're having an argument about an actor in a thing and you Google it and find out the right answer. That's it. Yeah, no, that's exactly the same as Starbuck finding 
this vision that she had after she mysteriously disappeared for two months after exactly the same exploding thing. believing that it's the next step to finding a whole planet what's your point <laughs> i don't know i don't know uh and then there's i don't know debris or something incoming oh no danger um they end up on the base ship and like the cylon like gates or whatever it's come so down cool. and it's so cool it's like a it's, it's like, like a skin human. stretching oh, over metal it. and it makes it. a creaky noise it's so good it's really well done i, I love the cylon like biotech whatever they have it's, it's really interesting cool. um a bunch of eights come up to Athena and scare the shit out of her. <laughs> She's like, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about this. Ooh. And they're like, oh, you know, you're the first one to question everything and we want you to help us lead a mutiny against the sixes because they're terrible. And I feel like like the, the eights programming is just to be like a bratty teenager who rebels <laughs> against everything. <laughs> like that's what they're becoming. And Athena's like, no, you have to pick your side and stick to it or you have nobody left. Like, you can't just keep rebelling against everyone who makes a bad decision because <laughs> everyone makes bad decisions. I feel like this is so true. It's like when you're working for a new company. And Which I don't know if anyone in this room is doing currently. No, I mean, like I'm speaking more broadly. So like my company's not new. It's been around for a minute. But I feel like something that happens a lot with startups, speaking from that capacity, is that they'll try something for like a minute and it doesn't work. And they're like, oh my God, it doesn't work. I'm not seeing immediate results. Mm. And then they'll like pivot and pivot and pivot. And it's like, it never works. You just sometimes got to stick with um, what you have and have confidence that it's the right thing and kind of block out the noise if you want to grow something that means something. That makes sense. And it often means like it's a longer term project, which is where I would say like I do well in the startup space is that I'm, I have like, I listen enough, but I'm confident enough to like, sit back and be like cool i think i've done the right thing here and i know that it's going to take some time for these things to pan out yeah sometimes you have to stick with a vision Hmm. you can't just pander to every opinion that everyone has exactly it's not going to get you very far i mean sometimes we try things here doesn't work Sometimes you're like, maybe I'll try being a scientist. And then you're like, maybe I'll try being the president. And then you're like, maybe I'll try being a cult leader. <laughs> and is it too many things? Who knows? Um, we've got more broadcasting from our leader, Gaius. What's like a cult leader name? I was going to say so many inappropriate things. <laughs> Jim Jones? No, I meant like a title. I am Shinri. Title like Vanguard oh. is, the, is one of the Nexium ones. Like uh, what's like a it's like a glorious leader? Oh, glorious one, whatever. Uh, he directly quotes Hamlet in this <laughs> in this monologue, which is just interesting. Like I feel like after all along the Watchtower, they've been more free to. Mm use references from things that exist in our world Mm. maybe i don't know maybe they've done it previously and i just noticed that it was hamlet (laughs) and i'm sorry did you study theater what whatever made you think so (laughs) to be or not to be (laughs) (laughs) that it, it that is the speech that these quotes are pulled from anywho i actually went and saw my friend which 
was supposed to come to, but then it didn't work out timing wise. Oh, right. Uh, to see like a re, it was called the Sisters. It was like a recreation of, or like a, a take on Macbeth using Shakespearean words, but actually not all from Macbeth, like from different Shakespearean plays, but like focusing on the the three sisters from Macbeth, which actually I realized that I confuse Macbeth and Hamlet a lot. Um, that makes sense. And so I thought, I was like, oh, I kind of know, I remember. And then um, I think it was really good. Like I really enjoyed it, but I also was like, I should have watched Macbeth before I came <laughs> because I didn't follow it at all. And I went with my friend who's like, knows a lot, is a lot more into Shakespeare than I am. And even she was like, yeah, I think I confused Macbeth with King Lear. <laughs> Macbeth is the Shakespeare play I know the best because it's the only Shakespeare play I've ever actually been in. And also I've ended up studying it a lot weirdly. Interesting. Mine would be probably Romeo and Juliet classic or Othello. I know Othello quite well, actually, Mm -hmm. especially because of the um, early 2000s recreation of Othello with Josh Hartnett. Do you mean the film O? It's so good. (laughs) That was one of my favorite films. Well, I loved that era of teen movies where they were like, what if we appeal to the nerdy teens who like Shakespeare? (laughs) Ten things I hate about you much. Mm -hmm. So I guess, I I don't think I've ever read the original Taming of the Shrew, but I guess I kind of know it because I saw Ten Things I Hate About You. Like, that's my knowledge. And freaking Julia Stiles was in both of those. Of course she was. She was in O as well. Freaking great. Yeah. Oh, I don't think anyone cares about sirens at this point. No, it just adds to the charm of our real life Brooklyn podcast. Um, was going to say... Oh, so wait, has anybody recreated Macbeth in a modern way? Uh, I mean, House of Cards is very Macbethy. Interesting. I don't oh. know if I don't know if it pulls directly from other Shakespeare stories at well. It probably does because Shakespeare all like everything Shakespeare writes that's a drama is about people in power. Um yeah, I and feel just like- Macbeth is the one that I know best. But um, did you watch the original House of Cards? I have not watched the British one. So I no. wonder if the British one is like a recreation. And it's obviously not a direct, like, there are no three sisters in House of Cards. It's not a direct, like, mm. modern translation. They're just themes about, like, a childless couple that mm. uh, are too power hungry and kind of, like, cause their own demise. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot of Macbethy themes within House of Cards. But I don't there certainly hasn't been a, a teenage take on Macbeth like there <laughs> has been with everything else. Right. Well, I Cruel was... Intentions is based on not a Shakespeare play, but it's based on a play called Les Liaisons yeah, yeah, yeah. Speak French. <laughs> I have to go to France and try and remember how to speak French. Bonjour. No. it's not how you pronounce it i know it's not um but yeah cool hamlet did they recreate hamlet i don't think they did hamlet either i mean it's hard shakespeare influences so many things i but there's like direct there's a real direct it's like 10 things i hate about you is oh no you know what's hamlet is the lion king hamlet is the Lion. that was actually the pitch of the lion king it was uh hamlet but a cartoon with lions and that was actually brilliant. how they pitched it to Disney. Yeah. Well, that I mean, it, it exactly is that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how lovely. Great. Shakespeare. We're cultured, y'all. <laughs> uh, so uh, Rosalind attempts to befriend this dying woman who's oh. listening to Gaius Baltar speak. So this woman. Yeah. Her name is Nana Vista. Visitor. 
Anyway, she worked with uh, Ronald D. Moore in the past in something. Star Trek, maybe? Yes. Uh, one of the Star Treks, but I couldn't remember which one. And they were like, we need to find someone who can hold their own with Mary. Ooh. Uh, and actually, they were so What excited. an honor to be brought on for that. Yeah. They're, and they were actually really honored. She agreed to do it because she was she happened to be in Canada and um, they were like, oh, would you mind doing something with us? And she was like, oh, well, I like working with you before and you're really nice. Sure. Am I going to be an alien? <laughs> Which is cute because there's no aliens. That is cute. But I, it's kind of fun. Like, I don't know. This show is in its fourth season. So I feel like at this point, a lot of people knew of it. But it's cute. If they brought on somebody who's just like, what's this show about? Well, she said she'd seen a few episodes, and but I think it was mostly just to work with these guys again. I think actually all the guys in the podcast knew her from working with her before. Nice. So it's like it's just kind of nice. Like I didn't really think about it, but she does hold her own very well, yeah. and um, and I think they were really delighted that, with how this turned out. So they actually referred to this plot as the A plot of it. And one of the two writers that was in the room, and I can't remember which one, was talking about how he lost a few people in his family to cancer, and this was really important for him. Um, yeah, really interesting. That's lovely, because these scenes um, are are really beautiful and um, a little hard to watch, honestly. Mm. Uh, so we'll, we'll get there, but this this first scene... They make a connection and then Rosalind goes to turn off Gaius Baltar's broadcast and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Get out of here, president. Um, making friends is hard. It is hard. Yeah. As we've previously discussed. We're so lucky that we are both just nerdy enough to have a podcast together. How else do you make? How do you make friends? I don't know. Real question. <laughs> I like I only ever make friends when I'm working directly with people on a thing like at my actual job or <laughs> working in theater or working on a podcast. I don't know how to make friends socially when there's not like a big important project at hand. Like I can meet, I can meet women in bathrooms and be best friends for like a night. <laughs> it never really goes further than that. <laughs> oh my God. I love you. <laughs> so, so people have made so many memes about meeting drunk women in bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> they're like i just loaned someone a hair clip and now i'm invited to their wedding <laughs> i'm like i've never heard anything that describes being in a female bathroom at a nightclub more than that does <laughs> uh all right so we're on the cylon ship now and we've got the six called natalie kind of Yay. running things um natalie. <laughs> Natalie. beautiful mm. uh and it seems like the silence aren't really into the idea of a truce either like this is all leoben making this happen like he's not representing all of them they're mm. not like yes starbuck please we all want you here <laughs> no that's just his weird obsession mm. um and she's like we have their ship we have the we can use their ship to jump we don't need them. Mm. Um, and they're like, you'll never figure out how in time. So <laughs> You're stuck with oh, us. Oh, no. And Leoben's like, what if we run out of fuel and, da -da -da, and we run out of food? So I, th I think we have our answer about whether Cylons like, need to eat to survive. Yeah, they he's do. Like, we might we run out of food. That. We know that they eat, but it's sort of like with vampires, like what happens if you don't? Oh, though. interesting. Yeah. But no, I think silence are human enough to. Well, no, not at all. But there's just they're a different kind of being. And you're like, I know that you do eat, but do you have to eat? 
to totally survive and it Mm. seems like they do but yeah natalie has that line about like we don't need them and uh barely's like would you say would you say about my girlfriend starbuck (laughs) (laughs) she's so puffed up and ready to defend her and i love it so much I'm so sad we lose her so soon. Barely. <laughs> She's so good. Um, so there's, they're like, okay, but you can see the hybrid, I guess. But first, Athena has to put her hand in the goo and like log in mm. or whatever she does. It's still not clear. Very unclear. And then she has a lot of like techno mumbo jumbo about like, we have to reroute the what's it to the who's and we need these cables or we're going to explode. Correct. Yeah. Um, it's fun. I li- I actually enjoy it when they do that when it's just a line or two of like technical jargon that we made up for this episode. <laughs> uh, and, and this is this is the moment it for moments. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. This is the well, in, epi- in season two, episode seven, you didn't need that cable to do that. No. Um, whereas we're like technical stuff not interested tell me more about starbucks space science (laughs) um this is the part where sam is like his hand is hovering right above the little thing the the little pool where they put their hands in i want him to put his hand in that more than i wanted anyone to put their hand in anything that's what she said i was setting you up for that one and i knocked it down (laughs) um so they're setting up the raptor to attach to the spaceship so they can jump whatever whatever uh and it's barrel a and one of the sixes and <laughs> the six comes up and is like hey hi hey uh you killed me on new caprica <laughs> <laughs> how are you <laughs> i hate you and barrel is like yeah no friend kill you again i'm barely uh that's exactly what she sounded like i, lo- I love her <laughs> And she's been around for a really long time. I, it's been a while at this point since I've watched the earlier seasons, but she was part of the resistance. She was part of um, Sam's group mm. on Caprica. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And then she was part of the resistance on New Caprica. And like, she has been around. Um, and Six punches her like twice. And she's like, I'm okay. And then she falls down and then she's dead. It's really sad. People on this show either get so close to death that it seems impossible that they could survive and then magically they're fine without a scrape on them or they die from getting punched once. (laughs) I mean, it does happen. I guess so. In real life. There was a whole thing about that in Australia because some guy... um, punch another guy and they died on the first punch it's happened a couple of times yeah yeah so no i believe that it can happen Mm. but i was so after matthias was really fracking mad that they're like oh here's another strong female character oh wait she's dead too yeah it's really sad it sucks but yeah we have this scene where sam freaks out and puts a gun to this six's head and well because sam's been with barely the whole time mm. like that's his people mm. like no one's been with oh, barely as long as sam's yeah, been for with sure Barley. for sure and everyone's freaking out and starbucks trying to get them to calm down and athena's like no we can't let this stand and Natalie comes up and uh, I love this so much, by the way, this is great because I think it's really strong and I think they've used this. I think this has happened in 
other shows that I think maybe they referenced when they were talking about it, where it's like this idea that it's not up to the enemy to punish your people, but that it's like a really good way to build trust. They do. They've done this on a lot of shows. Yeah, there's like, some Game of Thronesiness here. Yeah, where Ned I think they Stark's did it on like the whoever passes the sentence should swing the sword. Yeah, or whatever. Um, but I think they did it on the hundred. I think they've done it on a lot of places where it's like. This was not right, but it's not up to you to discipline my people and that's going to cause a problem. But I'm going to say this is not the way we operate and then I'm going to kill her yeah, and make out with her, which is hot. <laughs> it is. It's a weird, it's a roller coaster of emotion in this scene. How's the stout? <laughs> All over my chest. <laughs> All right. Where are we? Yeah, so she, they have this this moment where Natalie is like, oh, she was the one on your camera that killed you. I mean, we tried to work through this. I think it's adorable. <laughs> it is weirdly. And she like but comforts also, her and then she does kiss her and like just oh to be that body double. Yeah. Oh, to be the, the, the lady in Canada who looked enough like Trisha Helfer to get to make out with Trisha Helfer. It's so great. It's so great. I feel like... um. I, I love it. And I think it's also a really interesting thing to think about that because, you know, people suffer a lot of trauma with like a near-death experience. And imagine if you died like over and over again. And I feel like for the fact that she's probably died a few times and that this was like particularly like traumatic, like she drowned her. It sounds horrible. Yeah, there was something about she put tape over mm. her mouth. And yeah, it sounded really intense. And it, I think it is really easy for the the mortal humans to write off what dying, quote unquote, is like for the Cylons. Mm. And like, oh, well, you come back, so it's fine. You just download and it's whatever. But it is really traumatic for them. To be killed, yeah. That it makes sense. Mm. Uh, again, they did collectively do a lot of genocide. So... Oh, for sure, for sure. Collectively, they did. But, like, it doesn't... Okay, so America has two. Does that mean someone <laughs> should get to drown you? No. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But that's the thing. That's where a lot of, uh, like, kind of extremist groups, that's where they go. They're like, oh, but America did this. Therefore, I can rape that person or kill that person. And it's like, well, just because, you know, just because a country does genocide and i shouldn't i mean I'm, i just said america because i wanted to make it personal to you but like just because there is a government or an army that does injustice to you just because you know there's a drone bombing or whatever doesn't mean that individual people in that community deserve to die a horrible death like that's a slippery slope to the bottom that's how freaking wars happen is when people just like blame the individual person and then they stop caring about it like people here really care when things happen and they really try and like they protest about it in the streets and like i mean you know i i do get that i think it's it becomes extra complicated with the silence when they all look like each other and you can't tell one from the next it becomes harder to look at them as individual people sure. and way easier but to justify say that about asian people i'm sure no, no no but i'm not like i'm not trying to be anything but like this would be i'm just trying to make a point yeah no like oh they're all and me you're and all the guys. same i da, mean da, da. white guys all look the same to me fair so like you know no we're, there's there's many people in this world who are guilty of of doing of saying like oh you're oh they all look you're the same. a part of this group you look like everyone in this group you act like everyone in this group 
Yeah. No, there's they're taking on some really interesting themes here. Mm. Um, I don't know. There was a resistance because they were under a horrible dictatorship that was leading the humans to be tortured and killed regularly. Sure. So I don't know that there's a right or a wrong in this situation. I think my point is two wrongs don't make a right. Mm. And I feel like if if she just shot her, that's different. But I feel like what is kind of what's kind of spoken about here is that she didn't just shoot her. She horrifically killed her in a very brutal way. And I just don't think that it's right that just because your people have suffered that you should get to like torture and maim an individual in a cruel way. Uh, like if you're in war and it's a casualty of war in like, but they were in war. Yeah. But it's not the same to drown a person and torture a person as it is to shoot a person. I I don't know. I don't think either like, of them are right or wrong in this situation. It just sounded like it was something more than just killing her because they're in a war. Like it sounded personal, the way she talked about it. I don't know. I'm curious if our listeners have any thoughts on this. Hmm. I would love you to weigh in because like we're into some really heavy shit. And I think this is exactly where we're supposed to be in this show, where when we start off, the Cylons are supposed to be hmm. this like unbelievable like evil force there's only 12 models and Mm. they all have the same agenda and now we're getting into the nuances of their universe Mm. and like all it turns out like every one of the models is a little bit different and has a little bit of a different agenda Mm. and has their own unique personality and like does that make it more complicated it's it's interesting territory that Mm. this show gets into so there's that. Uh, so back in back on Galactica, um, Emily apologizes to Rosalind for having a bad moment uh, and gives her a gift of a headscarf that she hopes isn't too gaudy. <laughs> uh, she's like, oh, this woman, this woman makes them. And this is another part of like the space apocalypse where there's time for like, check out my Etsy shop. I make headscarves. <laughs> It's a weird time in the mm. space apocalypse. They have a really sweet moment where she's like, oh, ha- what color are you hoping your hair will grow back? Because that's the thing that happens mm. when people go through chemo is their hair grows back differently a lot of the time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, and Rosalind's like, so blue. Oh, bl- like a royal blue. <laughs> I love it. It's very good. They're, it's precious. Like mm. the, the two of them together. And they end up talking about... Gaius and Emily's like he rags on you too much and that's not why I listen to him um, but I, I feel like he stumbled onto something true uh, and they have like a, a whole huge conversation about like the old gods essentially mm. and it's like oh cool so the one god can't exist but all of these other gods who wear ridiculous robes and live on a mountain and pull fates out of an urn that makes sense and I'm like kind of I'm going to do the editing in this episode is a little more choppy, but I want to stick with uh, Mary and Emily for a little mm-hmm. while and then sure. go back to the, the silent ship. Um, it, it's it does seem like an interesting time for humanity in that they're like experiencing this genocide, I think would cause a lot of people to question their faith and would want 
like they would want to be searching for new answers mm. because what kind of gods would allow what happened to happen? Mm. And it seems like whoever believes in the one true God, that's more of like, um, it seems like the many gods situation, they're more directly invested in your life. And they're mm. like, you deserve to be an admiral on a ship and you deserve to have your whole family murdered and mm. then die of cancer. So I don't know. I don't blame anybody for for looking for new answers in unconventional places. I like never blame anyone Baltar. for that in any capacity. Like if yeah. you are, if it, if it gives you, we've said this before, if it gives you comfort, go for it. Absolutely. It's, and I think Rosalind's having that realization now too, where I think it's the most unconventional of places that mm. this comfort should come from guys, Freck and Baltar. But like, wow, this scene where Rosalind talks about her mom going through cancer mm. like mary mcdonald just breaks my heart mm, instantly she's so, she's so brilliant it's one of it's one of these moments where i feel like you can see how much Rosalind is holding back all the time because mm. uh, she has to be strong because she has to be this fearless leader and she starts talking about her mother's experience with cancer and she like breaks down and she kind of like finally lets herself break down mm. and is crying about this journey and is like my mom believed so fervently in the gods and believed it literally and athena was gonna is it athena actually i can't remember who they say i don't remember. aphrodite oh aphrodite okay mm. one of the a ones mm. uh aphrodite was gonna come down and rescue her personally um and then in the end it was just like this black darkness and she was so scared and mm. uh emily makes a very comforting point that mm. like that's your imp interpretation of what was happening mm. but you can't know what your mom saw mm. um it's just a really really beautiful scene between these two women uh and then emily gets instantly worse while this is happening mm. and um coddle comes in and gives her morpha and that's kind of like the last of their interactions mm. with each other it's really beautiful and sad, and Mary McDonald's brilliant. I'm nodding. You can't see, but yeah. I'm All right. On the Cylon ship, Starbuck meets the hybrid, who also is apparently quoting from the Book of Jeremiah oh, from the Bible. So they're pulling in a lot of um, real world references within this episode. And it's just kind of rambly nonsense. There's not a lot of meaning there. And um, they're like, fine, I guess. We're going to have to unplug her so we can jump. Yeah. And um, right before they do that, like somebody's got their hand on the plug and the hybrid starts just It's screaming. really jarring. The captions said, inhuman wailing, <laughs> which I think is accurate. Um, the centurions have more free will now. So I think the centurion really mm. responds to the hybrid seeming like it's in danger and it starts shooting and kills one of the eights and the eight like falls over the tank that the blood hybrid everywhere. is in and the blood pools into the water. Do you think and... there'll be any consequences to the centurion getting shot by the way? I don't know. Mm, yeah, I don't. Cause I think they're all, I would think that the same thing happens for the centurions that happens for the skin jobs where they would also possibly yeah, re-download into a, a new centurion body, but they're not near enough to... Yeah, it does happen for all of the things. But yeah. um, no, they're... I mean with the other centurions. Oh. Yeah. 
I don't know. Interesting. Could be. Uh, it seems like there would be definitely more consequences of a centurion being killed now than there ever would have been before. Mm. So we'll see. But uh, Kara, in this moment of chaos, like leans down and is like, what do you want from me? Um, and the hybrid repeats, I think, the message that we heard in from the hybrid in Razor when... Uh, I think it's a, raises a long time ago. It was a like ways or, back. a year ago. No, nine months ago. Something like that. Enough time for somebody to have a baby. Mm. Mm. The hybrid didn't talk to Starbuck directly in that. I don't think. I think this the hybrid talked to what's her face and was like, "Carith uh, raises the harbinger of death. She yeah. will lead humanity to its end." Mm. Da da da. Uh, and that's the message that gets repeated here, and. Starbuck looks absolutely horrified. As you would. As you would if someone calls you the harbinger of death. I mean. Fair. Yeah. It's yeah. totally fair. <laughs> and then. Oh, so the eight is dying and is like, Athena, you were right. Please forgive me. And Athena kind of approaches and the eight's reaching out her hand and Athena just like can't allow herself to go there and doesn't reach out to her and doesn't and comfort her sam does. and sam does and he's there for her and it's very sweet it's very nice. uh and then the eight dies and they're like okay so one of the eights died but let's process what the hybrid just said which is that uh like the missing three will lead you to the five who know the home of the 13th mm. which is the missing three mm. would be deanna hey mm-hmm. um and the the five are the final five salons and the 13th is the 13th tribe, which like I think is that pretty would be a cool tattoo. What would? Three, five, 13th. Three, five, 13. Mm. It would look like a date. It would. Mm. But it's not. Ooh, That's what's cool about it. Secret. Uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, Deanna knows the faces of the final five, so she can tell us who they are. And Sam's just looking around like, that's a great what sure, final five. What are you talking about? What even what are the words that you're speaking? I I've never heard of this. these five. Uh, <laughs> and so now Rosalind is having a dream of being on the ferry that Emily spoke about across the river to the other side where you see all the people that you love who are gone and uh, Emily sees her family and then Rosalind sees her family and oh how beautiful and, and then Emily's on the other side Emily's on the other side and Rosalind's not ready yet and it's very touching but also Lisa I don't ask a lot of this universe but I, I need for the afterlife to not look like I have to go to a conservative church and then have brunch with an old lady who asks me why I don't have a boyfriend yet because that is that's the vibe I'm getting. You know, it's funny that you say from that this afterlife because they were like, we didn't realize how much Rosalind's mom looked like Barbara Bush until so after it all happened, much. and then we were like, whoa. She really it, looks like Barbara Bush. Everyone in the afterlife looks really uncomfortable. Like they're all wearing like uncomfortable bras and tights and like squeaky shoes and they have to go eat overpriced eggs somewhere. That's what the afterlife looks like. And I don't want to be there. Mm. Anyway, that's my plea <laughs> to whoever the powers that be are. Do you want me to know what you like? Is that what you're saying? I want you to know what I like. <laughs> 
<laughs> Except in that case, that would mean you're like God. But also the other thing is I did promise that if you die before me that I'll stand up and say she was gay at your funeral. That I appreciate. Thank you. Really into that. I can stand up and shout she was bi at your funeral. Because, you know, my family don't know. (laughs) Do they not? Uh, I never explicitly told them. They might suspect. Is that the energy you want at your funeral? Oh, like, I just don't care. It's not really their business. Oh, you mean the bisexual thing? Sure. Like, Havoc remain. But, you know, I'm going to kind of hope in the nicest way that my parents are already dead when I die. Fair. More because I want to die at an old age. Yeah. And I assume that if I'm dying at an old age that they would have pre-died. Yeah. When they were at an old age, you know? That's how age works and like time works. Yeah. 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 I mean, and it's not that I want to see my parents die because I would just happily if we'd all die at the same time. But if we're talking about it. And then when you when you're near death, you'll be on a shitty looking fairy approaching them and they'll be wearing conservative church clothes and waiting for you on a freshly mowed lawn. Yeah. Look, don't get me wrong. I don't my parents don't really have anything against queer people i just like it's just like i just don't think if i had a serious relationship with a woman sure but i haven't and um i haven't actually had a serious relationship in like a long time yeah so i'm pretty open with them about like living a different life from them generally i don't think they'd really care they'd probably just make carpet muncher jokes Mm. i don't blame you for not signing yourself up for that just can't be bothered I just can't be bothered. <laughs> I try to be I try to be open with my siblings about it more because they're quite young. That's nice. To be like, yeah, you can be. Yeah. You know what's great? Loving everybody. Hey. <laughs> what a world. So Rosalind wakes up, Emily's gone, her bed is empty, Gaius's voice is preaching to no one. Um And she doesn't turn it off. She doesn't turn it off. Uh, meanwhile, the Demetrius is ready to jump and they got all their, their stuff ready and the the clock runs out and they're one second from jumping. Of course. Just in the nick of time. Oh my goodness. It's funny how that happens. Wow. 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 Uh, everybody jumps back with the jumps silent around. bass star and Athena or Hilo hears Athena's voice and is very relieved. It seems like everyone's really pinned on whether Starbuck is coming back, but obviously for Hilo, <laughs> he's worried about Athena. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, "Mission accomplished. The base star is ours." It's huge as well. It's massive, even with its little like ship limbs amputated. Mm. Yeah. And then our last scene. It's Rosalind visiting Adama. This is extended, actually, in oh. the deleted scenes, and it's really precious. That's a scene I would like to watch. Mm. Um, we can. And he's kind of like, oh, do you think there's really something to, like, Baltar's bullshit? Uh, and at this point, I think Rosalind's questioning things a little more than she was, and um, Adama has this really beautiful little monologue about he's kind of like losing everything like lee left the the battle star and is idiot politician now Mm -hmm. and uh he let starbuck go and he let like all of 
the important younger people on the ship go and he calls them those kids and will I ever see them again? Uh, and Rosalind's like, I'm right here. And it's so beautiful. And they're like, we're going to find Earth together. And he believes now. And she's like, what made you change? And he says, you. Mm-hmm. Oh. This is the second time I cried in this episode. Oh, Kaylee, um, that's nice. They're so sweet. You have love hearts in your notes. I have three of them. <laughs> and that's it. My space parents are the best parents. Okay. Tell us the counts. I had counts in another location. <laughs> uh, 21 frags. Wow. Wow. In wow. this episode. Uh, five from Sam, two from Athena, two from Barely, four from Starbuck, one from Emily, and seven from the poor guy who gets shot in the leg, Gaeta. Gaeta. And our Cylons are Sam, Athena, Tori, Leoben, a whole bunch of eights, Natalie, and some sixes, and the hybrid. Yeah, we only see that one Leoben, though, which is weird. Yeah, the only multiples we see. Yeah. Rip. Yeah, R.I.P. to that singular centurion. Mm. Um, yeah, we only see, a, I think, a couple of sixes. We only see the one Leoben, and we've got just that like army of eights that accost Athena. So good. Yeah. Okay. We did it. That's great. Thanks, guys. Thanks for we'll coming with us soon. on this journey. Uh, Lisa's going to BRB. She's going to Europe for a couple of weeks. Not that it really affects any of you because we did actually really pull it together this weekend to make sure we had enough podcasts. Yeah. Thank, and thank you, Kaylee. Let's do a shout out to Kaylee That's for me. editing everything while my life has been a mess. It's been <laughs> so helpful. It's actually really time consuming. It is. Uh, and it's <laughs> a really like it's, a, you know, I love doing it, but like it has been a challenging time and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much. Of course. Uh, On that note, let's leave. I'm so grateful to you and to everyone for making this happen. Hey, listen, I don't know why you haven't already, but if you haven't, follow us, message us, find us, send us a little money. And guys, pray pray to me, to the one God or all the gods. We don't care that I can get back into this country and continue recording this podcast. I would like it if you didn't get stuck in Europe, hey, personally. Who knows? <laughs> It's just up to some random official on a freaking consulate. So we shall see. Good luck. Thank you. And goodbye.